Welcome to the Poetic Resurrection Podcast, where we explore perceptions. How self-reflecting questions can give you a better understanding of self. I'm your host, Sonia Iris Lozada. Stay tuned. Hello, everyone. And welcome to a new episode of Poetic Resurrection. Today, we are excited to have Christoph Jenkins. Welcome. Hey, Sonia, how you doing? I am doing great. I'm so happy to have you on the show. I'm glad to be on the show. Now, the poet life. Tell us about the poet life. I'm glad you asked. Uh, the poet life is a media company, and uh, we we focus on our three pillars are three E's, uh, and that is education, engagement, and entertainment. So, and I'm really excited about the educational piece because we have a, a nonprofit arm also, which is Poet Life Academy. Mm-hmm. And we teach kids K through 12 how to use the arts to express themselves. And so we're in several schools around the country and uh, uh, it's been It's been great, you know, uh, but as it relates to the adults, we also have Poet Life University where we teach poets how to actually create a career out of their poetry. Wow, that's something I should check out. You know, it's it's uh, debunking the idea that there's no money in poetry or you can't live, you know, handsomely or or, uh, comfortably. Uh, doing what you love, which is poetry. And so uh, we're, we're working to, to, to show folks that there's value in the art of poetry. Perfect. Now, you write a lot of haikus. Yes, I, I, I consider myself a haikuist. When I was younger, uh, I thought I had to be a performer. I thought I had to be a spoken word artist to be a poet. And, you know, I, I was kind of bound by that because. I've done it, but I just didn't have the passion for the stage. That's just not something that I'm super passionate about. It's like work for me, you know, uh, the memorizing and the, you know, hand gestures and, you know, all of that. Um, and And I love experiencing it. But for me, I was liberated when I found that I could choose different paths in poetry. It didn't have to be a monolith. It didn't have to be just one way to do poetry. Yes. I, you know, I'm an entertainer myself. I've been an actor for many years and I find the staging of poetry work for me as well. Sure. You know, I figure yeah, something, it's work. it is work. I mean, there's a lot of memorization. I don't think people realize how much work it is. The good yeah. thing about poetry is that it's an acceptable medium where you can read if you have a book. Yeah. You know, so you could, I've seen some um, spoken word where uh, a poet has a book and they're reading from their book. So, but they have the rhythm and they have yeah. the pat, you know, the passion going with sure. it. And it, it is work. You, I mean, it's putting on a stage show. You still have to engage. You still have to perform somewhat. Yeah. You, know? you don't want to just be sitting there reading words, you know? Right. It's like a mini play. Yeah. You know, you're putting on a little entertainment thing like that. So would you be willing to read us some of your poetry and we can discuss each one after that? 
Sure, sure. So one of which, you know, is is encouraging to those who may feel alone, you know, and uh, uh, or or just isolated. And I'm sure we all can mm-hmm. kind of relate to that with uh, this whole COVID and Omicron and whatever else, you know, there's out there. Um, and so this one, uh, it says, surround yourself, people and things, I'm sorry, surround yourself with people and things that grow you, either grow or die. So that's five, seven, five. And, and I try to give some some hand motion so they can actually count with me, you know, that surround yourself with. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I love haiku. I love haiku because you would think it's super easy because it's super small, but because of the constraints of the five, seven, five, the, the syllables, 17 syllables, it's not the easiest thing to do. You have to truncate your idea or your thought into that limitation of of length, if you will. Yeah. And have it be clear. And have it be clear and make sense. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Because I saw that a lot of these are like beautiful quotes. You know, they they could be like, that's how I look at it. Yeah. They're um, and they're very pro getting on with your life and moving on and doing Mm -hmm. things better. Now, the fact that you write poems like this, is that what influenced the poet life or the other way around? You know, no, um, the poet life really isn't for me. The poet life is for the poetry industry. Mm-hmm. And I say that to say, you know, for the longest time, poetry has been more of a community. You know, that's why we say the poetry community. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, in a community, there there aren't a lot of if any transactions and deals and things of that nature happening, right? You need an industry for that. So the community is is ancient. It's 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 been here since the beginning of time. Like you know, it's in the Bible. Like you know, Psalms are poems, and yeah. so the industry is in its infancy. I think it's very important, uh, especially if there are poets like myself that want to do this for a living. Mm-hmm. you know, and, and call this my, my career, uh, for there to be an industry, you can have a career without there being an industry. Right. So, um, uh, that, so that's what encouraged or inspired the poet life is, is to, to help, uh, be a pioneer in building the industry. When did you start being a poet? Mm, good question. First grade. First grade first grade, you know, uh, I hear this story to, you know, my teacher, I can't remember the teacher's name, but she, she gave the class an assignment and the assignment was to create a poetry book, not just write a poetry book, but to create one. I mean, the binding, putting the paper in there, you know, using cardboard for for the the cover and, and putting felt gluing felt on the cardboard to make it, you know, presentable and exactly, exactly. And, and then writing the poetry. And from there, my mind was just open, you know? And so what is it? 33 years later, 
here I am. Wow, well, uh, that was a poetry company. That is a really industrious type of job for a child. I mean, your first grade, what are you, five or six? Yeah. I know. That yeah. that was a big, that's a big deal to give a child. I mean, you're just learning how to write to begin with. Very true. Very you know. true. Yeah. 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 But uh, it seems like most poets, it's in your soul. Everyone has started as a child. Mm -hmm. it's, it's impressive how that is just within you as a poet. Well, well, just think about it. You know, that's that's how we started learning. If you really like think about the learning tools when we were kids, it mm -hmm. was it was all poetry. Poetry yeah. taught us how to read, you know, um, all of the books we read at that age or those ages were were in rhyme and mm -hmm. and you know the fairy tales and the story time all of that was poetry and you don't realize it because you're immersed in it but i had to think back i was like you see how valuable poetry is you know yeah and it was one yeah. of the first things that would go when it came to it did survive other like art because it's part of literature yes so it had more of a survival in your schooling but it, you know, it's one of those, it's like, oh, poetry, you know, the beat yeah. and the fifties and the, <laughs> but you know, the survival of it was more so let's read and, and analyze and learn about poets that are no longer here. Yeah. You know, it, it wasn't, you know, like how we teach it, where it's, let me hear what you have to say. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was always the classics. And it's just like having schools say, no, you can't read these books. Mm -hmm. I was in school right now. You tell me I couldn't read those books. Guess what I would be buying yep. those books? Yeah, because how how I mean, they took out classic books that it's like, you know, the taming of the shrew has been taken out of some of the schools. It's like, really? Yeah, I wouldn't even yeah. think of that as being bad book to read. But, you know, they took arts out of schools. And you it's know? so important. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, at the same time, um, it, it gives organizations and, and uh, institutions like the Poet Life the opportunity to put it back into schools. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's very important to do that. I, and poetry is something that has gone across the board to help children mm -hmm. that Mm. might be taking the wrong road mm -hmm. or even the incarcerated. Yes. They have really helped them. I know a poet that works with the incarcerated. That's what he does. Mm. Some of them, he goes, they're so creative, but they didn't have an outlet for their creativity. Yeah. 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 An outlet and the bandwidth too, because they were bogged down with so many life you know, um, restricting, you know, things that, that are happening, uh, that were happening in their lives. So yeah, totally. Yeah. Cause I remember, um, you know, growing up and we talked about this when you interviewed me about growing up in a tough neighborhood, mm -hmm. when your concern is survival, everything else is like secondary. Do I have a right. roof over my head? Do I have yeah. clothes to wear? That was a big deal. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why so much of our youth goes into the fancy equipment or the fancy sneakers and everything, right. because that's like a luxury to have. Exactly. You know, when you come from necessity. Yeah, definitely. I was going to say the lack thereof, 
uh, the things that you believe that you need, you know, mm -hmm. um, and, and you're, well, back in the day, there was no Instagram, but now just imagine the, the youth now, they're yeah. seeing this on an hourly basis. Every minute they scroll down and they see all of these people with these things going these going to these places. And they're like, I'm stuck here in this hole, you know, so. It makes you feel like you're not succeeding. Mm -hmm. You know, even me as an adult, I'll look at some of my friends are doing really well and I'm happy for them mm -hmm. because I think it's exciting. I think that if you are in that realm with the people that are successful, then that says a lot about you as well. But at the same time, I'm like, wow, they're doing so well and um, sure. not doing well in this aspect. You know, it does. Even if you are happy for these people, you start reflecting upon yourself and why you feel that way. Mm -hmm. Totally. Yeah, you yeah. are correct. Would you like to read us anything more and tell us a little bit about it? Sure. I'm going to read this one. This one is strong for me. Prayer changes things. Hand him the weight of the world and rest your shoulders. That's five, five, seven, five. And mm -hmm. so it is, it's a statement. It's very true. Prayer changes things. Meditation changes things. And uh, basically release what you're carrying. Let it go. Rest your shoulders. And it's true. And you can see people, the more, the more tense they are, their shoulders keep going up. Yeah. You know, it's just like, because I've even caught myself doing that. Mm -hmm. I meditate every day because I need to release mm -hmm. anything. And I think when you grow up tougher, you're always on edge. You know, mm -hmm. like, what, what's happening around me? You have to like scope everything that's going on. And releasing that is sometimes hard because that's what you know. Yeah, yeah. And you know, the best part about writing, a lot of people feel like they don't want to release because the only way to release is I have to talk some talk to somebody and I don't feel comfortable. I'm yeah. not vulnerable enough to do so. But the best part about writing is paper, pen, they won't judge you. No, exactly. You can free, freely pour and release all of that that you have been hoarding. I encourage so many people, youth and adults, to do so. Um, uh, when we go into these schools, we start off by just having a conversation with the youth and, and just gaining their trust. You know, it, it's not about writing right then. It, it's right. about, hey, what's going on? And just allowing them to let their guards down, you yeah. know, then after that, it's like, Hey, so since we just, you know, just talked about that, you know, let's, let's see if we can write something down. Yeah. Yep. You want one simple line when you can get to that point, then it all starts flowing mm -hmm. and it's hard to be vulnerable for many people. Yeah. It's a fear of being taken advantage of if you're vulnerable. And, and with mm -hmm. those people that we're talking about, they have been. Yeah. In so many ways, they've been taken advantage of. And so they're just like, okay, I'm not opening up again. And it's hard to do that. It's finding the right people, the right support group to allow yourself to, to be that way. Correct. Because you can't be vulnerable with everybody. Some people are 
that's their nature. They're going to take advantage that they can because they feel a lack. Right. Like they don't have. So they have to take it, you know, from somebody else instead of knowing that they have value within themselves. Mm -hmm. You are so true. That is so true. And you have to get to a place where you feel comfortable. I know it's not going to be overnight, but if you don't, you're either going to implode or explode on someone else. Implode, you're going to hurt yourself. Explode, you're going to hurt someone else. Yeah. Physically or emotionally. Yeah. Yeah. It's like sometimes you're so angry, you can't hurt someone enough to feel good. Mm, That's strong. I've seen super angry people there. They just cannot hurt someone enough to feel good. And you can't, you're never going to feel good. That's something that has to come from within you. It's an interesting concept about how it all comes down to feeling like we are enough or we are Mm -hmm. not enough. Yeah. And you have Mm -hmm. one poem that's about the imposter syndrome. Yeah. That's (laughs) personal. Oh, okay. Tell me about that. That one. That one is that one is definitely for me and everyone else that feel the same way uh, when I'll just go ahead and, and share it and then I'll talk about it. But um, two words already have five syllables, mm-hmm. you know, imposter syndrome is attempting to play you. It can't outcast you. I'm going to read that one more time. Imposter syndrome is attempting to play you. It can't outcast you. Really simply, if you don't know what imposter syndrome is, is knowing you have greatness within you, um, but not knowing how to step into it and feeling like, Others are going to look at you like, okay, so who is he to think that he knows all of what he's saying he knows? And, you know, and and you, you're feeling that because, you know, your circle, the people around you, they know you. And now you're trying to step into this greatness role. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel all of that. Yeah. And you're like. Let me let me not go there. Let me not do that. Let me not step into my greatness. I, you know, I, yeah. No, and I think that's a, a a sad thing because I think the fact. I mean, sometimes I felt like, am I being an imposter? You know, because mm-hmm. I also I research, I study stuff, and I work very hard on following what I say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because there are many people out there that I really feel are imposters. They say one thing and do another. But to step into that, you do have to go through through hard times. How would you know? Mm -hmm. So are you really an imposter if you've actually experienced everything and now you can write about it and talk about it? Because I know all my hardships. I write about that and I write how I'm working on it. I mean, something as Mm -hmm. simple as letting go of possessions was very hard for me. And mm-hmm. because somebody gave it to me that I really cared about or they passed away or was a gift and, you know, but now I, I work on it. I work on it all the time, but I felt talking about it and coming up with meditations for it and, and all of that, I was being kind of an imposter, but then I'm like, no, I'm working on it. How would I know to mm-hmm. talk about it 
if I didn't experience it. Right. Yeah. And I think the people around us should see that we are working towards it. We're all a work in progress. All of us. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I have one uh, current instance where, so I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a poetry business coach. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if you heard that term uh, before, but I, I help poets learn how to create a career in poetry. And I have a, a, a boot camp coming up in Atlanta uh, in March. I asked my mentor, you know, do I have to put myself on the flyer? You know, mm-hmm. um, just, just feels weird because I'm guilty of judging sometimes, you know, I'm guilty of judging, you know, the gurus, you know, and yeah. um, like putting myself into that role. Uh, it, it just feels weird. And, and I think it's the lack of confidence, but also the the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Like, who am I to be on the flyer? You know? Yeah. So, no, I, I yeah. totally get it. I, on this podcast, I was telling another podcaster that I said, well, it's all about the guest. I really think it's all about the guest. And he goes, yes, it is all about the guest, but they're tuning in for you on how you interview the guest. I'm like, oh, you know, I, cause I didn't put myself there. And I said, oh, you know, but you do feel like, oh, I, you know, my stepping overstepping. It's like, do I really want to look at myself? Sometimes I get tired of hearing myself, honestly. Yeah. Tell us more about this boot camp because that really piqued my interest. Yeah, I'm glad you asked. March 3rd and 4th, it's a two day boot camp uh, in Atlanta. The name of the boot camp is Triple What You Charge as a poet, basically. Mm -hmm. As poets, a lot of times, sometimes most times, poets simply accept whatever the budget is. Yeah. You know? Uh, I'm guilty of as, that. As, yeah. As as opposed to asserting yourself and saying, this is how much I charge. Mm-hmm. And it's it's through the conditioning of there's no money in poetry. Your 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 art is not worthy. It is not valuable. And so we somewhat believe that and we belittle ourselves yes. uh, or let them belittle us and accept whatever and just be happy that they're going to give us anything to perform. Right. When singers, dancers, rappers, this is how much I charge. Yeah. 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 So just coaching them through uh, learning how to be professional, that alone will make that employer or gig provider think twice because it's like this you're more valuable as a business who offers poetry as a service Mm -hmm. than you are a poet that has a poem more valuable to that company yeah because one that shows them that you're serious about what you do and you're a professional and as a there's a better chance that you take your art serious and you're not going to get up there and not provide an experience. Yeah. 
You're just going to get up there and say a poem. There was one that I talked about and it was for a mentorship program and they did pay me. And I had to talk about how important a mentor is. So you take your poetry that matches that you cater to their audience. And mm-hmm. I did get paid. I was ha- it was my very first gig. So I was happy to get paid anything. Sure. You know, I sure. wanted the experience. And, yeah. yeah. And so then I got a, a second gig and that one I did as you know how you do 30 minutes for free or something like that so that you they could get to know you. Yes. Many of these uh, leadership programs. And that's what I was doing with this one. So because it's a huge company. So hopefully there'll be more coming from that. I don't even know what to charge. Mm. What do you even charge for something like that? Because I don't know. Mm-hmm my value to where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Got you. Well, check this out. So I don't set set prices. Mm-hmm. I analyze who, who I'm dealing with. Because if Pepsi calls me <laughs> and I know who Pepsi is and, and what they have, I'm, I'm not going to have a set price for Pepsi and a nonprofit organization. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right? And you still take into consideration who the client is, but at the same time you let them know, okay, let's let's talk about the event. How many people are going to be there, you know, before you state how much you charge or how much you're going to accept? Let's talk about the actual event. How many people are going to be there? Are you charging for the event? So if they're charging and and they're making money and they're utilizing me to make the event a great experience, then they're leveraging my talent to make more money for them. So I put on events. Mm -hmm. So I purposely I'm going to hire you because you're going to make my event better. Got it not only make my event better, even before the event, you're going to draw people to my event. So that's even outside of your performance. Yes. Who you are makes my event attractive Yeah. and makes tickets get sold. So it is who I am, what I do, and how I can benefit you. That's That's a whole poem right there. Yeah. (laughs) You know? No, yeah, because you know what? Uh, You're right. As as poets, we just think, you know, it's something that we do. We write. We love it. We put it in a book Mm -hmm. or put it in a drawer if you don't want people to know about it. And to get just even a slight acknowledgement means a lot. Yes. You know, and I've talked with really well-known poets and they don't I don't even know about their speaker gigs. You don't see a lot of speaker gigs for them. Yeah. You know, I think that it's because we're unaware how poetry translates into so many things. You know, it translates into acting. Mm -hmm. It translates into public speaking. Why aren't more poets public speakers? And that's what you do. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how much public speakers get. Yes, exactly. And you talk about your niche, because what I've noticed with so many different poets, they they have a different niche. 
One talks about growing up in a tough neighborhood. One talks about how, you know, they pursued something. Other people talk about love. And I don't think all poetry has to be negative or sad. Please. It should be uplifting. And like mine is like self-help poetry. Yes, I talk Mm, about a situation, but how can you overcome that situation? Yes. So that's would be my audience is someone that has that wants more like a self-help type of thing. Right. But you know, but you know what, Sonia, it's it's very important as a professional, Mm -hmm. as a professional poet that we say we are to have diversity, to to diversify your portfolio. Brandon Leake, who won uh, America's Got Talent, uh, first poet on this on the show. He also got the golden buzzer. Mm -hmm. He would have never gotten to the show, gotten to the audition, had he not had a diverse portfolio. Uh, I had him on my podcast the literally the night before the show was aired. Mm-hmm. And he shared that he auditioned the year prior, didn't make it, mm-hmm. wasn't ready. You know, uh, second time around, he auditioned and, and the talent agent mm-hmm. said, you're a poet. Okay. All right. Go. He was like, huh? He's like, no, perform, go. And so he performed a piece. I can't remember what he said it was about. And he was like, okay, all right, give me another one about something else. Yes. That is so true. Different. You know, give me something else. That don't give me love, 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 love. Don't give me activists, 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 activists. Yeah. Right. And so he was able to do that. Yes. Give me something else. I think four times. Mm hmm. And so he was able to give four different topics, subject matters, and still create an experience. That's very true. That relates a lot to acting. Because when I go into exactly. a casting office, the range. Yep. You go into a casting office, you, you interpret the character one way, you walk in, and then they go, okay, let me see it differently. Can you do it funny? I mean, they really mm. want to change it. And I do have some comedic um, poetry. Because mm-hmm. it's my, yeah. I'm my nature. I'm kind of quirky. So I, I have some comedic <laughs> stuff. Sure. Yeah, that is a great thing to tell a poet. Because if you can mm-hmm. relate it to acting, because it just was an aha moment right now when you told me that. I said, yep. I was like, why haven't I not related it to acting? When you go into a casting office, they want you to do it different ways. And that's mm-hmm. a good sign. If they ask you to do it differently, that means they're interested in you. Exactly. Otherwise they get, oh, well, thank you for your time. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's very important for you to be diverse in your skill set. Yeah. And that. I'm going to look at my poetry different now and say, okay, this Mm. one goes into this category and this one goes into that category. So they're already organized when I'm asked something like that. You know, what can you do? It's important for you to categorize. Yeah. I mean, just take the three haiku that I just shared. Surround yourself with people uh, and things that grow you. That's that's inspiration, motivational. Mm-hmm. You know, then I have a spiritual one, and then I have a personal one about myself that could also help somebody else, 
right? True. And so those are those are three haiku that are completely different. Yes, you're absolutely right. I mean, it's a good way I find to look at it because when you said that, I'm like, oh, it's just like acting. Mm-hmm. I didn't even mm-hmm. relate. I mean, I knew how to act on stage, but I mm-hmm. didn't relate the process of business as the same. And that for people that are actors and poets out there, this is a really good thing to learn from Christoph. Yeah. And that's, that's what makes you more valuable. Yes. If you're a Swiss army knife. Yeah. So you could be more on demand. There you go. Yeah. I have one that I like here. If you are dreaming without a plan to fulfill said dream, keep dreaming. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's another inspirational one. I love that because it was just New Year's. Yeah, New Year's resolutions. What is a New Year's resolution? But a statement. That's all it is. That most of us break as soon as like the middle of the month comes around. Right. Because it's surface. Mm -hmm. If you make a statement without a plan, there's no commitment to that statement. Exactly. And you're just dreaming. It's like having an intent, but not creating a plan with it. That intent's never going to happen. Mm-hmm. One of my guests was on intent. He had a whole book on intent. I go, well, what's the difference between intent and uh, something else? I forgot what it was. He says mm-hmm. intent is like you wanting to do the podcast. The actual plan is what it takes to do the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And what people don't realize doing a podcast is a lot of work. <laughs> is it ever? Yes. It is work. Yeah. And I don't. Yes, yeah, indeed. it is. People just think, oh, they just go on air and they just talk. They don't think about that. You have to do social media and you have to edit the episode and you have to um, come up with questions and do a little bit of research on your guest. Yeah. You know, it's funny. Um, I do. I do my podcast a little different. I connect with the 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 guests like like yourself. Mm-hmm. You're on, on the Poet Life podcast. I, I want to find out the direction that we're going in right so so i myself don't do a lot of research because i want to find these things out in the conversation and be surprised and intrigued uh and show facial expressions you know uh because i am surprised and intrigued by the information that i just heard you know what i'm saying Mm so um that's kind of my technique as it relates to so because for me the, my podcast is not an interview it's it's a conversation and we're getting to know each other that that's kind of how i kind of perceive well yeah podcasting yeah well I, to me if you're just doing because ours is a conversation if you're just doing q a you're a news program You're not going back and forth, you know, I don't want to have a news program unless that's what I'm doing. Just the facts. Right. Or your opinion, which when people say I'm telling you the truth, you're telling them a true opinion, not the truth. (laughs) You're you're telling them a truth. Yeah. (laughs) And it's usually the person that's saying is their truth. Yeah. So, yeah. Do you have anything that you would like to tell the audience? Anything more you would like yeah. to direct? Oh, sure. So there's a big movement right now uh, where we're where pushing 
poets to submit to the Grammys. Oh, cool. Um, there is there is a most people don't know, but there's a spoken word Grammy Award. I did not know that. There is. And mostly every year they give it to the president or someone in politics who gave a speech or something like that and do not recognize the spoken word community. Part of that is if folks don't know, you have to submit to the Grammys. Right. There's a they fee don't also. just say, oh, that was a great, yeah, that, that was a great album. I think that should win. No, you have to submit mm-hmm. said album or whatever the project is, and then they vote. Um, so we are actually submitting to the Grammys. We're creating compilation album where we're going to connect with poets around the country and create an, a compilation album and submit that album to the Grammys. That is very cool. So it would be for next year's Grammys. Correct. Yeah, because you have to always do it a year in advance. Yeah, 2022 was supposed to announce who won in January of this year, mm-hmm. last month. Um, but, but because of COVID, they've uh, postponed it to April, April 3rd. Yeah. 2023 is when we're, we're uh, submitting. So, yes. That is exciting. That's, you know, that would be nice to see something like that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and my thought pattern is, you know, again, I'm, I'm all poet life is all for the poets. And so instead of, you know, one poet winning or being nominated, about 10 to 15 poets will win or be nominated for a Grammy. Yeah. So I'm all about bringing folks with me. Yeah. How would that yeah. work? Because I do they get uh, let's say that the album wins. Mm-hmm. Is there one award or 10 awards? Everyone that participated on that album gets a Grammy. That would be you, super cool. <laughs> you see the the producer like that's why when a when a movie wins an Oscar, you know, the all of the actors the key actors, the main actors go up there and receive their Grammy. But again, um, depending on what the actual award was, all of those involved in that get a Grammy. Yeah. Or or an Oscar. Yeah. 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 Because I know that um, I think they honor you with one or two, depending, and then the rest of them, you do have to purchase them. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I doubt if. They, yeah, I would easily purchase my own damn Grammy if I sure, want. Sure, sure, <laughs> but on on paper, for sure, yeah, on paper, you you what? are a Grammy winner, yes. award winner, yeah, correct, yeah, and that, you know, and it's that piece of paper that means so much. That's why we go to college just to get that yeah. piece of paper because it's exactly. validation that we actually accomplished yeah. something. Because the actual piece yeah. of paper is worth like what a dollar or two. It's not. It's what it for represents. Sure. Even still, even if. We don't win the journey alone and the fact that you submit it to the Grammys is is, An is honor. rewarding. Oh I mean even if inspiring to others. Right. And even if it may if you get nominated, that's that's amazing because there's thousands of submissions to that. 
just to get yeah. when they say it's I'm glad just to get nominated. Yeah, you're very lucky to just get nominated, honestly, yeah. to win is even a plus. But I think that sure. your career or your program or whatever you're doing just to get nominated is sure. going to get a major boost. Yeah, because yeah, that's a title, too, because that's Grammy nominated. Yes. Now forever you say that. Yeah, I am Grammy nominated. Yeah. That is it is yeah. a cool title to have. It gives you validation and it gives you validation to people that are thinking that if you don't have an award, you you haven't accomplished anything because that means yeah. a lot to certain people to get an award. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's all that should validate you. Not at all. Yeah. It's the people that you touch. But it's a major honor. Now, For sure. how can people reach you if they're interested in this uh, boot camp and your university or... Um, your programs sure. in general. Yeah, for the most part, you can simply go to thepoetlife.com. We keep it real simple. And that's one other thing that we teach poets. Make it easy for people to find you. I know your name or your social media handle means a lot to you, but we can't spell that or say that. Yeah. And, and so, 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 but that's, that's some coaching, but um, the poet life everywhere, actually. Um, so, so you'll see all of the links and information right there on our site. And uh, we look forward to connecting with anyone. Uh, we love partnering with folks. And so, um, yeah, we're definitely here for the people. I think you have an amazing program and thank you so much for sharing it with us. No, thank you. Thank you for sharing your platform. And, and I look forward to releasing, you know, our episode on, on the Poet Life podcast. And that's what this is all about, too, is to connect with other people in other cities, other states and other countries. And so I'm excited about the, the, the partnership. Yes, me too. Many blessings. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Poetic Resurrection podcast. Available on Apple iTunes, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Music, and many other podcast platforms. Please visit us and subscribe to our newsletter at PoeticResurrection.com for the latest information and updates.